Hello, and welcome to Trails Podcast, our show about all things Salesforce. Trails Podcast is brought to you by Hute, Salesforce DevOps platform for game-based development. Learn more about Hute by going to our website, hute.io. Hello, and welcome to Trails Podcast. Help us welcome today's guest, co-founder and CEO of Pipe Launch, Ben Aspaha. Hi, Ben. It's great having you. Could you please introduce yourself and tell us about your journey with Salesforce? Hi, Harald. Thank you very much for having me today. I was really looking forward to being here. And thank you very much for supporting the community with this podcast. My name is Ben. I'm based in Munich. I'm the founder of Pipe Launch. We've been around as a company for about three years now. We've took the product to market in January last year. So we're 2023 today, if you're listening to the podcast in the future. And since then, we've been able to win about um, 80 customers as of today. We're forecasting to finish 2023 with over 100 customers. And I've been in the ecosystem for a while now. So previous to starting Pipe Launch, I worked at Salesforce. And I also worked with a couple other ISVs like Conga and Nintex, the company that acquired Rollup. So I've been in the ecosystem for a number of years now. Uh, as soon as I worked for Conga, I knew that sooner or later I wanted to build my own ISV and then that vision materialized when I started PyPronch after leaving Salesforce. Excellent. Would you mind telling us a bit more about PyPronch? So which problem are you actually solving with that product and potentially what are your biggest success stories so far? Yeah, great question. So if you look at PyPronch, or maybe let's go one step back, let's go into the vision. When I was still working at Salesforce and we came up with the idea for PyPronch, so people buy these amazing CRMs like Salesforce, and after a very small period of time, they start realizing that the CRM is only as powerful as the data you have in that CRM, right? So you start having a lot of bottlenecks as soon as you want to start using AI automation because most of those processes, they rely on healthy data. The same thing comes when you're speaking about leadership, trying to make decisions around the business, right? It becomes very difficult to make a decision if you don't have accurate data um, in your CRM. Everything you're doing is guessing and you're generating a lot of blind spots. When it comes to operational perspective, you'll see salespeople spending more time doing the manual data entry, the operational stuff that doesn't add any value to the business instead of being generating revenue. So that's really how we came up with PipeLaunch after closing a few projects at Salesforce and trying to build a product that enables companies to have their entire data in the CRM up to date. So according to Gartner, the data decay can happen pretty quickly. We're looking at about 30% over 12 months and Pipe Launch prevents that from happening. At the same time, Pipe Launch enables salespeople to spend more time on what they're meant to be doing, which is obviously selling rather than the manual data input in the CRM. So that's really how Pipe Launch started. Like I said, we started in January last year. So that's really when we took the product to market in January 2022. And uh, from the first month, we've generated five customers, right? So we just released the product on the Apex change. We started getting some inquiries. Obviously, in the beginning, we were talking with much smaller companies. And as we're progressing, we're now solving more and more challenges of our customers and working with, with bigger accounts as well. Great, super impressive success story. Can you share some insights about your go-to-market strategy behind that? So what are your most important uh, lead sources? Which markets are hot at the moment? And where do you see the biggest growth potential for Pipe Launch? 
both, let's say, geographically, but also in terms of types of companies? Of course. So if you don't mind, I'll probably start with where have we filed so far, because that'll give you a good outlook into what are the things that really work for us. So we had a very broad product and a very broad messaging, meaning that we would allow anyone to be a pipe launch customer. It doesn't matter whether you're in construction, high tech or finance. And I think having a broad offering sometimes makes it very difficult to sell your product, right? Because you never really speak the language of your customer because you could sell to anyone. So initially we focused a lot on the actual time that people have before they, they are able to properly use a CRM instead of looking at the industry-specific pains. That changed recently, so we opened up to three verticals, which is a focus verticals. We actually just came from Hamburg, where we had a Salesforce event around education, right? So they had a lot of universities, so that's one use case that we started going after. And obviously the response was a lot higher than it would have been if we would have just spread the message very thin, because now we're talking about alumni engagement, we're talking about donor management, we're talking about upsell, right? So universities are now facing a big challenge. People are not going to university as much as before. So they actually need to, to start working like businesses. And being able to speak that language allows us to generate a lot more revenue and ultimately increase our conversion rates. Uh, the other two, obviously, high tech, right? We are a tech company, so it's very easy to position our product and adjust it to the tech industry. And then lastly, recruitment, right? Which is right now for us the fastest growing industry that we're going after. I think the mistake we made in the past is that we were trying to go after everything and we started filing on the messaging. The conversion rates were very low. And now very quickly, our conversion rates have been increasing a lot where you have a meeting and I can almost guarantee you, either myself or any of the guys that work at Pipeline right now, if we have a meeting with education recruitment or high tech, we'll get a second meeting, right? And the conversion rate increased from one in five to one in three, which is massive, Right. For us, because it means that more meetings now finally mean more revenue. And the other part from a go-to-market strategy, we were lucky enough to be introduced by Salesforce to one of their secret weapons that they usually use for the ISVs. And this gentleman is called Leah. He's been in the ecosystem for a while. Um, so he just hit the ground running. He joined Pipelaunch and very quickly they redefined our messaging, helped us generate more leads from the Epic change by using marginal gains everywhere and trying to ultimately generate more leads and he tripled our lead flow and he's been with us since um, i believe since my now he's been with us one thing i've learned by having him on board is that you should look for someone that either knows the market better than you or you need to learn the market and learn how people generate leads in the ecosystem especially right now it's becoming more and more difficult to generate leads the budgets are a lot tighter Average sales cycle, that's a great example. So our average sales cycle used to be 12 days and it increased now to 26 days last quarter. And this quarter, we're looking at over 90 days. Of course, we're increasing our average field size as well. But the increase of the average sales cycle has massively, massively changed, right? Before you had a couple of meetings, you probably had a one, two, three meetings and then you'd close the deal. Now, sometimes we're looking at over 10 meetings right? because budgets are a lot tighter. And that means that you need to do two things. The first thing is you really need to focus on the pains of the customer, industry-specific pains. Don't be too generic. Try to explain how that customer will generate more revenue by buying your product. Right now, it's all about either generating more revenue or saving money. You can't afford to be a nice-to-have. It just won't work. If you're nice-to-have, you will not win that deal because budgets are just not there anymore. When it comes to generating leads, don't rely on the epic change and don't rely on Salesforce. And have value on the app exchange as well. As you know, 
a lot of people think I'm just going to switch it on and suddenly I get thousands of leads. That will happen on your first month. I don't know there's an algorithm where if you're a new app, they put you very high. They will help in a couple of months to incentivize you. But that fades away very quickly, right? Don't miss the following Trails podcast episodes and articles. Subscribe to our newsletter at huta.io slash trails. Another mistake we made, and I think it's important speaking about mistakes because that's how you learn. You don't learn by doing everything right. Um, we didn't own our distribution channel, right? So if you look at your distribution channel, um, it consists of a number of things. It could be the app exchange. It could be your website. It could be, in your case, I've had podcasts, which I think is a great way to generate leads. It could be Salesforce AEs. It could be SI partners. We focus too much on a three-step sales channel. That would be SIs, technology partners, and Salesforce. So we invested a lot on those partnerships. But then the great thing with an SI is that your deal size will increase a lot, right? You'll have a much bigger deal size. The downside is that you won't be in control of the deal in the same way you would have been if you were on the driver's seat and if you had generated that lead. Now, as a partner, and there's great, great SI partners, and, and I love that yes, we work with 25 SI partners, but the complexity of their project means that your product is only a very small part of the entire project. And that then means that it becomes questionable how relevant your product actually is for the entire project, right? If you're talking about Salesforce, MuleSoft, maybe in there, they also have some other tools from Salesforce like Pyrobot and uh, you name it, right? What role does Pipelaunch play in that entire project and how much power do we actually have to influence that deal, right? So that's the other learning that we had, that we should have taken that own lead generation a lot quicker, right? I think we spoke about this last week and I was very impressed with what you guys are building and how you set up your structure. I'm not going to go into too much detail because I don't know if you want to publicly share it, but I was very impressed with the sales motions and the sales team that you're starting to build right now. And I wish we had done that from day one, right? We didn't own our sales channel. We gave the sales channel, or we try to outsource it. That only works in good times. In bad times, partners, SI partners, as well as Salesforce, they need to look after themselves because there's not enough budget out there because they can help you out, right? When they're in good times, when there's more money than people can spend, then of course, you know, it's a great option. And also the Salesforce ecosystem is not driven in the same way as other ecosystems. If you look at Microsoft, SAP, it's a 100% partner business. It doesn't work like that in the Salesforce ecosystem. So I'm saying partners are still good. But if you do it, do it properly or don't do it at all. Go all in. Have specific newsletters for them. Have a partner program. Have a portal for them to register deals. Have all the collateral that they need to do presentations. Go and meet them at least once per quarter and meet their entire consulting team to make sure that you're always on top of mind. If you can't do that, don't do it. Right? So that would be my feedback. One thing that helped us a lot was the ability to work with a lot of people from the ecosystem. So... Pipelaunch released an ebook. I don't know if you've seen that ebook, Harvard. Not yet, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So look at that, or any of your listeners could look into that. So if you look for the ebook, the, the Pipelaunch ebook, you'll find it just on our website and you'll see it on the collateral. So what was very cool is we released an ebook about a specific pain in the Salesforce ecosystem, right? Which is user adoption. It's normal, right? I used to work at Salesforce. It doesn't mean the CRM is not good, but you always have a challenge. So no one wakes up one day and says, I want to implement a new CRM. They are drivers. The drivers are, you want more market share, you want more accountability within the company, you want to have more metrics, right? And know what decisions to make. So that's usually why you implement a CRM. And that happens at the C-level. The user is very often forgotten, which is normal, right? Because there's many topics going on. And that means the first three months to six months, there's not a very high user adoption. So we built an ebook around that. 
And we knew, or we had a feeling, because I'm ex-Salesforce, and we used to have that pain all the time, we thought there's a great chance that people will use that ebook. So instead of just releasing it, we engaged 12 MVPs. So for anyone that's in your podcast that's not familiar, they're usually most valued professionals within the Salesforce ecosystem that have been nominated by Salesforce as being a top contributor or a top voice for the ecosystem. So we've got 12 of them. And the great thing was that they were actually helping us promote the ebook, right? And they were giving us ideas on what to write on the ebook. And the ebook became so good for us that we're now thinking of doing a yearly release on new updates, new tools that you can use. And the ebook is basically about not just the mindset and how you should get people on board, but also what tools can you use to check what your adoption is and how can you incentivize people to use Salesforce more. And obviously we have a play in that, right? Because Python helps people spend more time within the CRM. That's been very useful. It didn't cost us much money. Um, the other channel, if you can afford it, is definitely leveraging Salesforce Ben. Salesforce Ben, I believe they are now achieving close to a million monthly visitors. And um, if you think about that, if you're selling in the Salesforce ecosystem, almost 100% will be your audience, right? So that's one of the places where you can go. So definitely Salesforce Ben has been a, a game changer for us and all the advertising we've done within has a positive ROI. And then obviously you always have to decide between if you want to go for something that's got a very aggressive call to action, that's got a lower conversion rate, or if you want to go for a high conversion rate, that's all about branding, right? And if you look at our ebook, it's mainly branding and less you know, let's let's start the trial. But it helps us to open stores. And over time, it's one more touch that we had with someone. Right, so that's my long answer to the go-to-market strategy. Great, thank you very much. That's tons of tons of useful advice for myself, but of course, also for all fellow ISVs or aspiring ISVs. And that actually leads me to my last question Beyond what you have already shared, which was mainly on the go-to-market side, do you have any other advice for aspiring ISV founders, maybe also from the product hat that you are wearing? Would you still encourage founders to go on AppExchange, to go build a Salesforce ISV? Any thoughts that you would like to share with uh, someone who has an idea on how to improve, let's say, a CRM use case and how to go about it? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that come to mind. Looking at uh, when we started Pipe Launch, obviously I used to be a 100% sales guy, you know, and how you rightly said, Harald, I then switched to more a product person because that's what happens to you when you become a founder. We experimented a lot. And the reason why the company is three years old, but we've only been in the market for two years is because we released the product. We released the product, we interviewed over 100 sales leaders, right? We took the product to market, we got super excited. Everyone told us what we wanted to hear. I love this product, right? But no one was buying it. We then had two options, either we close pipe launch or we try something else. So we spent a lot of time reading the notes we took from these 100 calls with VPs and realized that the first product we had built, which was about sales productivity, sales engagement, like automatic emails, uh, doing phone calls and so on was great, but people were doing it outside of Salesforce. But one thing we realized on the notes we took is that everyone was talking about data enrichment, data accuracy. And then we switched our product and took 40% uh, of the product to build what we have now. And like I said, the first month we went to market, we've had five new customers. One thing that we've learned as a business is take your time, try to understand the pain, and don't 
hear what you would like to hear. And that happens very often. And that's natural as a founder, right? You always gravitate towards the positive feedback. And uh, there was a massive learning, right? The people that like you are not the best people to give you feedback. And then we did a switch where we said, okay, every time someone says the product is great, we'll thank them. But then we only focus on the ones that are being negative about our product, right? And that's when we started building lists of feature requests of things that people wanted. And unfortunately, the people that really wanted us to succeed and gave us the best feedback, they almost destroyed the business, unfortunately, not because they wanted to. It's because they wanted to be helpful. They wanted to motivate us to go further. And in the last three years, that's definitely something that I would give to someone else. Focus on the on the feedback that you don't want to hear because it's usually the feedback that will put you on the right track. And we had a few customers that hated what we built. We stayed so close to them for so long and built exactly what they were asking for. And some of them converted to customers now, which is unbelievable. And some of them are buying more and more licenses on an ongoing basis. And those features that we built for those customers are now helping us convince other customers in the industry. So I think that would be one piece of advice that I would give. And the other part is, there's a lot of things, and I'm sure you would agree with me, Harald, there's a lot of things you can change when you start your startup, right? So if you could go back in time now, Harald, to day one of your startup, there's a lot of things you would have done differently. But now to change them, it becomes very difficult. And uh, I wish we would have sat down a bit longer and looking at what we're doing. You know, of course, I love the Salesforce ecosystem. If you cut any of our team members in half, we'll bleed Salesforce blue. But the reality is there's a lot of things that we should have done differently. And there's a lot of things we should never rely on the Salesforce infrastructure to build it purely because of the use cases that we're trying to solve, purely because of the experience we're trying to give our customers. So there's multiple worlds out there and multiple realities that and you need to define which one is the right one for you. But take your time and try to build an architecture from a product perspective, but also from a go-to-market perspective, it will make sense to you. You might right now think that you will have a B2B enterprise product that will require a lot of sales efforts. In the end, you might have a self-service product, right? And you have to start with the small deals before you can go to the bigger deals. But that also means that your architecture needs to be able to sustain that kind of motion. That would be my two pieces of advice. First, focus on the constructive feedback. And second, just think it through before you start building. Thank you, Ben. That's excellent advice. And it somehow confirms my own learning. So let me disclose, I'm an Avid Pipelaunch user since uh, recently. You have built an awesome product, but you also shared a lot of insights that confirm that building a great product is not alone or is not all to be on a success track. And that's, uh, yeah, for, especially for me as a more product-oriented founder, it's also a learning I have been going through and it's great to align that with your thoughts. So thank you very much for taking the time and for being so transparent and open about your own learnings and even failures of the past. Wish you great successes with Pipelaunch and uh, looking forward to touch base soon. Thank you very much for the opportunity as well, Harald. By the way, I mentioned that our go-to-market secret weapon. If you want to know about more about that as well, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can find me under Ben Asfaha or Ben working at Pipelaunch. You'll find me on LinkedIn. But uh, Harald, it's a pleasure to know you and great what you're doing for the uh, community. So um, if there's anything you need or any listeners, feel free to connect with me. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Trails Podcast is brought to you by Kuten, Salesforce DevOps platform for Git-based development. 
You can learn more about Huta by going to our website, huta.io.